Hey guys, and welcome to episode 86 of Podcast Prevails. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Superman the Movie from 1978. I'm one half of your friendly neighborhood podcasting duo, Alex Riggin, and as always, I'm joined today by Mr. Taylor Mitchell. Uh, Taylor, this is, uh, we're taking a break from the Dark Knight trilogy. Mm-hmm. We're going to jump into a duet, so to speak, of Superman films, kind of the, obviously the 1978 version starring Christopher Reeve, origin story movie, and then uh, in a couple episodes we're going to be talking about Man of Steel. So it'll be interesting when we come back, uh, just to get way too ahead of myself to kind of uh, compare these two movies. The yin and yang. Thing. Yeah, absolutely. And we're doing that because shortly after we're done with the Dark Knight trilogy, since we're doing all the Batman movies, we'll be getting into Batman v Superman and Justice League. Yep. So to prepare for that, we wanted to watch Man of Steel. And then to prepare for Man of Steel, I wanted to put Alex through this two-hour-long 70s movie. Yeah, which which uh, if you are a long-time listener of this podcast, which I'm assuming if you are listening right now that you are a long-time one, listener. One of the nine. <laughs> uh, that this movie had a, a few things going against it. It was a 70s movie, and it was over two hours long. And those have <laughs> typically not fared well in terms of how we rate them. So... Who knows? Maybe this will buck the trend. Maybe it will not. That type of thing. You know what I mean? Maybe. I do want to plug a couple of things first. Yeah, go for so, it. So, um, one, I've been reviewing comic books on my YouTube channel. Just search YouTube Taylor Talks Comics. Okay. So if you're into comic books, you can go there. Just do overviews of comic books and talk about some stuff. So, appreciate it if you did that. And then also, on our Twitter handle, at Podcast Prevails, I've been doing some side reviews, if you will via the Twitter. So I watched this documentary called The La- In Search of the Last Action Heroes. It's a long title. But it's on Amazon Prime, so you can watch it if you're think if you're a subscriber there. And it's pretty long. It's like two to three hours, I think. Maybe longer than that. But anyways, it goes through over the entire history of action movies, which is a genre that we both like. And so as I was watching the documentary, I was writing down titles of movies that I thought were prominently featured in the documentary. So like basically action movies that mattered to the action film genre. So I'm going through in order chronologically reviewing them all on Twitter. I've gone through like eight or nine movies, I think at this point. And I'm just writing like little quick Twitter reviews yeah. of the movies and, and talk about the impact they had on the action film genre. So a little thing I want to boost up the uh, Twitter handle with and the guys that made the documentary, like people at, all the guys that worked on it on their own separate accounts, plus the account for the last, in the search of the last action hero documentary account, we're all retweeting stuff and talking to me about it. So join us. Yeah, Taylor's up to <clears throat> big things. So I just want to do want to get a little activity on the on the Twitter machine because I feel like so far it's just been a uh, tw- we just been tweeting links to the podcast episodes, but. They're movies that don't necessarily fit into what we do here, because if you're a new listener, we do superhero and comic book movies on the audio podcast, so I'm going to do something a little different, but not too far out. It's like adjacent to the podcast. We have reviewed action movies on here, too, that are not. But whatever. Go follow us on there. Um, but yes, we're here to talk about Superman the movie from 1978, starring Christopher Reeve. This was the first uh, big screen Feature film of mm-hmm. Superman. There have been some serial serials and those kinds of things before, but this was like the first big deal. Uh, and also, I think the forgotten first big superhero movie. Because often when people talk about like 
well, the superhero movie it started with. You hear Batman 89, you'll hear Blade, X-Men, Spider-Man, like those kinds of mm-hmm. things. Like, this is what started the trend for superhero movies. The Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk? <laughs> Which one? Uh, whichever the first one that came out. Like from, like, the yeah, show? Yeah, you know what I'm talking okay, about. The, yeah. the direct uh... Right. So, yeah, this movie, though, for some reason it gets forgotten about, like, for that. And I don't, I don't know why. Because uh, it's a good movie. It's not, there's no reason to forget it. But the story of Christopher Reeve, Richard Donner uh, directing, John Williams does the score. Yep. Which, that guy, he has to be, I would say, the most prolific and famous He's got to be music I mean, I, guy I don't know of, any, um, of the twentieth twentieth. I don't know century. many film compo or you know film composers, but uh, I would assume that he's got to be the best. right? Just thinking of like the iconic themes that he's come up with. Yeah, Star Wars, Jaws, Superman, Jaws, Superman, Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones, first two Jurassic Parks, Schindler's List, the first three Harry Potter films. Okay, but so let's stop there. So this thing about the iconic songs, like when you hear it, you know exactly what it came from. Yeah, abs- Harry Potter, absolutely. Jurassic Park, Jaws for sure. Star Wars, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Superman. That's yeah. six iconic movie themes that if six you hear them just... anywhere you are. Yep, you know exactly what movie it is. Yep. Name any other composer that you can say that about. I'd say Danny Elfman would be up there. Yeah, Danny Elfman. Certainly not of the same. Uh, it would be degree. much harder for me to say what has Danny Elfman composed. I'm sure that if I heard it, I'd be like, "Oh yeah." Well, Danny he does Elfman. the Simpsons theme, okay, and then the Batman theme. Those are the two big ones. Yeah, and he's done all the Tim Burton projects, most not all, okay. of them, but the majority of the Tim Burton projects. So you can think of like Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, Edward Scissorhands. Oh, and Jurassic Park. Add that in there. Do do do. Okay, With the, clar- the clarinet song gotcha. at the end, one the helicopter. Yeah, so Danny Elfman's up there, but certainly not to the same degree. Um. Yeah, so John Williams. I just realized the other day because I, was, I was, Jaws was one of the movies I was reviewing for the uh, on the Twitter, and I didn't realize that John Williams did that score or that that like, that's like one of the most iconic songs like da yeah. da da like everyone knows that even if yeah. they've never seen Jaws. So, um, and, and I think that has a lot to do with this movie. I think the score that John Williams came up with of the iconic music really helped make this movie. As, as iconic as the theme is. Um, and then Gene Hackman as, as Lex Luthor. This movie, like, it had it, it all right, but... And then they even cast Marlon Brando. Um, as, a lot of name power in this movie. Yeah, as Superman's dad. But not... But they made it interesting towards Christopher Reeve because he was a he was an unknown mm-hmm. back then. It was kind yeah, of... Yeah, a, a now you know Christopher Reeve. At, you know what Because I mean? of this. Yeah. Um, but... He was a, an unknown back then. It was, it was very similar to like Hugh Jackman being cast as Wolverine. Like mm-hmm. nobody knew who he was back then, but now he's become this iconic thing because of that role. Yeah, um, it's a hard thing to cast the the role of Superman, the first live action portrayal. And I think the most interesting casting choice that I read because there's all these possibilities. It wasn't just Christopher Reeve. Mm-hmm. Was Sylvester Stallone? Oh wow! Coming off of Rocky. He wanted to be Superman so badly. He told wow. his he told his agent he's like that's the role I want. They they didn't cast him in it, but it was almost like a done deal. Like okay, Sly Stallone is going to be Superman. And just think about that because this is pre Rambo but post Rocky. Yeah. So he just won an Oscar for for Rocky. Yeah. So he's like he's not the action hero guy yet. No. He's like the. It's hard for me to imagine a. And world that was his first like Hollywood project. Where... You know, a bizarro world, an alternate timeline where 
Sylvester Stallone does this and then goes on to become... I mean, he could still be an action dude. Right. But part of me thinks, would this movie be worse because Sylvester Stallone was... Like, there's something about watching Christopher Reed play um, Superman. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That he he feels very Superman-esque in this movie. And that's yeah. one of the things that uh, I think is a positive in this movie is Christopher Reed's performance as... Um, not only you know super Superman, but Clark Kent. You know what mm-hmm. I mean. That the, both the both of the um, I don't want to say alter ego because it's not an alter ego, but you know what I mean. The disguise of of Superman, Clark Kent, all that fun stuff. So it would be really weird seeing again Sylvester Stallone coming off a movie like Rocky, where Rocky's a powerful emotional movie, mm-hmm. and this movie doesn't have that same kind of gusto I don't feel like like Superman to me has never been and this is going to be something I want to get into but Superman's always just kind of been like a eh, like he doesn't feel like he, he his backstory I feel like he should have so much more and this is from what I've seen read whatever he should have so much more emotion and he always just seems like he's kind of like and maybe that's part of Superman as Clark Kenny has to be like well, I don't know like I'm not human but I'm human you know what I mean yeah. like it would make sense if, if, and I feel like I'm rambling. I feel like I'm talking in one, bo- one big run-on sentence. It would make sense if, if you know, Superman came here, came to Earth, and felt like he didn't fit in because he's like, what the heck, like I, whatever. But he grows up on Earth. Like he, yeah. he might as well be a human, even though he's not a human. I understand he's not, but he understands the intricacies of how Earth works, generally speaking. So yeah. it would be weird to see. To think about Sylvester Stallone as... It would almost be... Like, it's hard for me not to think about it being hokey mm-hmm. at this point. Just... Yeah. But that's in retrospective of, of yeah. Sylvester Stallone. That's career. how I would feel. But I, the studio at one point wanted Muhammad Ali to be Superman. Oh. Which was just, like, even hokier. And there was definitely, yeah. like, a... You know... Talk about, like... Let's pick a big name. I know, but talk about how revolutionary that would have been, having Muhammad Ali be Superman. Like, yeah. Damn. And, and just the fact that people like are crapping on the idea of Michael B. Jordan being Superman now. Just imagine if Muhammad Ali was the first Superman you know, on the big screen in the late seventies. After he that would be people's excuse after he changed like, his name for you know I, yeah. I know it wasn't in the seventies he changed his name but you know yeah. that whole thing. So um, a lot of interesting choices, but they landed on Christopher Reeve. Uh, but the reason why Sly Stallone didn't get cast was because of Marlon Brando. So Marlon Brando stopped it and said he doesn't want. He said that Sylvester Stallone's too Italian for the role. Marlon Brando, man. Which, it's funny to me, Marlon Brando is like a name that I feel like if you are probably in your 30s or older, you hear Marlon Brando and you're like, Marlon Brando's like, you know, I've never, this is probably the first movie I've seen with Marlon Brando. And I've seen, that's not true, I've seen part of The Godfather, so I guess I've seen two. That's what I was going to ask. I've seen one and a half maybe I don't even think I finished it but you always hear about Marlon Brando and he's like this iconic actor yeah, he's like the, I'll put on a pedestal like he's the man like our parents like that's like the best actor ever to our parents yeah which he's won the Oscar for best actor twice mm-hmm. uh, and so maybe he is a great actor but he just seems like he's a real big well let me get into that he seems like a jerk off <laughs> but also he seems like he's really big like into like politics and activism and oh yeah he, he is for sure I, I think I'm gonna, he was a jerk on this set. Yeah. And behind the scenes. I'm going to get into that. But maybe in real life he wasn't. So he got paid $3.7 million, which think about this is the 70s, for 12 days of shooting. <clears throat> and that also covered his uh, 
filming in the in the sequel, which we'll get to because the sequel is kind of tied into this. Yeah. Um, he stopped Sly Stallone from being cast because he was too Italian. Which I don't know. Marlon Brando, isn't he of Italian heritage? I don't know. Look that up for me, Jamie. I will. Um, but on the first day of set, he suggested to Richard Donner that... Uh... No, no Italian. Oh, he's not? Okay. No. He was constantly doing things to get out of work on the set. Yeah. So he would say, no, I'm just going to do it. We're taking whatever we do on the film. Oh, first take. I'm only doing one take. Yeah. Per line. And they're like, uh, okay. And he's like, he's like, that's how I work. That's my, it was just where he gets the best work out of me. But really, just because he was lazy. Um, and then, so there's a million things. He's, so he sued the Salkins, who, who are like the producers, I think, and Warner Brothers for $50 million because he felt he cheated out of the film's considerable box office profits. <laughs> and he refused to memorize most of the lines in advance. In the scene where he puts infant Kal-El into the escape pod, He's reading his lines from the diaper of the baby. So he had his lines written on the diaper as he's like putting Kal-El into the pod because he refused to memorize lines. Oh, jeez. Uh, there's more. Hold on. Well, here's a good, here's a positive thing. The Superman S logo that Marlon Brando wears on his white cloak was the same one. Uh, no, that's not it. I thought he was the one that suggested the, that they all wear it. Sorry, I... It was hard for me to accumulate all of this. So there's a production assistant that was paid, or that, whose job was just to bring him out of his trailer every day. Because he had little incentive. He said he, Brando, who was paid $1 million a day in overages, had little incentive to leave his trailer. So yeah. they had to have a, a handler, basically, come get to his trailer every day to pull him out. I mean, at this point, when this movie came out, Marlon Brando was in his 50s. Mid fifties. I mean, so he was yeah. past. We'll say, at that time, your prime of of being a, a movie star. You know what I mean? I mean, his best work, I guess, um, was already behind him. The directors uh, prioritized his scenes first, Marlon Brando, just because they, were, they weren't for certain that he was going to be uh, there the whole time that they needed him. So they would make sure they get all the scenes in before he left the set. But so. I wonder what Sly Stallone thinks of Marlon Brando. Like oh no, would... that's what I'm going to get to. Oh, good. That's a whole thing. Um, I'm trying to get all the Marlon Brando facts here. This is all on IMDb's trivia, by the way. Oh, here we go. Here's the big Sly Stone one. So after the success of Rocky, Stallone lobbied hard for Clark Kent, ultimately turned down. He was deemed too Italian. Stallone found out that Marlon Brando, who had casting approval, think about the, my, the minute role that Marlon Brando had in this movie, but he had casting yeah. approval, turned him down for the role just as he had allegedly done vetoed Burt Reynolds' role as Sonny in The Godfather. And then uh, Sloan subsequently went on Mar- Merv Griffin's show, which I want to look this up on YouTube because it's probably, there's probably a clip of it, and denounced Brando, saying that he had no respect for the superstar as an actor or a man. This surprised many as early Stallone had clearly modeled himself after Brando. And uh, let me later explained that he felt it was so hypocritical that Brando, who started out on numerous occasions that he took the role of Jor-El simply as a paycheck and nothing more, but, this doesn't say this, but had the audacity to veto his role. So basically, Brando had, gave no shits about this movie. Yeah. This is my one cuss word for the episode. <laughs> but had the audacity to veto who was going to be Clark Kent. Like, why did he care if he was just there for a paycheck? It's crazy. So yeah, Stallone never respected him or cared for him at all after that. 
And I think that's all the Marlon Brando stuff. Well, yeah. So then he, they, I don't know that you, if you said this, but they filmed scenes for the sequel. Oh, and yeah. he wanted his usual rate, the uh, yeah. the sweet three point seven million for two weeks work uh, worth of work, and they said no. So um, they did not use any of his footage until the um, the Richard Donner cut in two thousand six, right? I believe is, is yeah, that's when the Richard Donner cut came out, which is yeah. a whole other thing because Richard Donner was fired halfway through the filming of the sequel Superman two, and the Superman two, the whole thing there too was that. The original concept, I guess, there was this thing called a road show back then. Yeah. Someone from the 70s, please fill me in on what, how this worked. But I believe they would like, what it sounded to me would be similar to like a drive-in movie where they do like a double feature. Okay. But it, it was like an extended movie basically. So they were going to take this on the road, Superman 1 and 2 together. They're gonna, the idea was to film both together and have this four hour long road show, which sounds like your worst nightmare. Yeah. Sounds like you would rather, rather like pour Tabasco sauce in your eyes. But um, that was the original concept. So I don't know. Again, please fill us in on this. I, any big aficionados of this four-movie series. Um, I don't know if they like did film a lot of stuff for the second movie while they filmed this and they used it for that or if that was completely cut or whatever. How that was, how was that worked out. But... There was also footage they used of Marlon Brando for the Superman Returns movie. This was posthumously. Yeah. Um, but Superman Returns with... Uh, who played Superman? What's his name? Brandon Ruth. Brandon Ruth, yeah. And Brian Singer, the guy that directed the first two X-Men movies, directed yep. Superman Returns and famously left X-Men 3 hanging because he wanted to do the Superman movie. And then X-Men 3 was not good, I guess. And then Brian Singer... When it came back to the X-Men franchise, and then it turned out he's a creep, so. Allegedly. Allegedly. I don't want to be sued. Yep. Um, but yeah, so this was your first viewing of this movie, right? It was. Um, and before we get into it, uh, I know that I stated that I was always, I've always felt kind of meh with the Superman character. Yeah. How do you feel about him from a, uh, because I haven't read a lot of comic book, um, yeah. comic book story, you know, kind of comics about him he always just felt like one of those things where he was you know we've talked about this at length uh regarding batman is it feels like somebody that you could be potentially even though you can't be batman you know what i mean like batman's like and this unobtainable person yeah but it still feels like you know i could do that if i was a billionaire i could do that well we couldn't be aliens from outer space that can you know, have X-ray vision and fly around the world. It almost be this OP superhero. You know yeah. what I mean? And the only thing that can stop me essentially is Krypton. Right. I mean, so it's going to be a long story. So strap in. Strap in, kids. Early in my comic book reading, I didn't care for him at all. Cause I, for the very reason you listed. I thought he was a boring character. Like, there's a special rock that's his... His weakness. His weakness, but other than that, like, how can you tell interesting stories like that? I did to gravitate towards the Batmans and the Spider-Man and Daredevil, like the ones that you can relate to that were more grounded, street-level type heroes. Yeah. I think as I've gotten older, though, I've got more kind of the opposite, especially since I've gotten back into comics now. I'm more into, like, the cosmic stories. So, like, like the Thanos and, and like... Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. and 
like, um, just like those kinds of stories. Like Adam Warlock, I've, I've been reading lately too, and Captain Marvel, and those kinds of things. But yeah. so, but I, as I've started my collection of comics again, I have like next to no Spider-Man comics, which is weird to me because that's like used to be my favorite. Yeah, very little Batman. I still have some Batman, and but like mostly it's these like really eccentric type heroes. Yeah, or even these super powerful ones. So. But with Superman, I think the only ones that I read back then when I first started getting comics in my teens that I enjoyed were like, uh, I read The Death of Superman and I enjoyed that story. Uh, but that one kind of had some nostalgic feelings because my dad and brother were like heavy into The Death of Superman back when I was like single issues and they're buying it like in the store when it's coming out off the racks. There's this mass hysteria about it. Um, but I enjoyed that story. And then also the Jeff Loeb, which I think you might have read this one, the Jeff Loeb written uh, Superman Batman story. I feel like I've made it, it. It sounds familiar to me. And that was really interesting because the way it worked was like it was Superman Batman. Yeah. And every time Batman was talking, it was kind of like him talking about his viewpoint of Superman. Yeah. And, and then vice versa. It was really interesting hearing that uh, kind of introspection of the characters. Um, but that was it, and that was still kind of like Batman adjacent, really. So now as I've gotten older, the idea of Superman being this all-powerful thing, I think there are interesting stories to be told there. Yeah. And I think this movie, because this is like my third time watching this movie. I watched it when I was much younger and I enjoyed it. I watched it with my son a couple years ago, actually, and he maintained interest throughout the whole two hours. I was like shocked and he was like running around the house flying all of a sudden. Um, and then this time. And I think each time I enjoyed it and I get more out of it. And I think the concept of Superman... The stories being told aren't him having a, a weakness or having to, um, you know, make sure he gets to back to Aunt May in time to bring get her medicine to her and then worry about his school grades and like those kinds of interesting, interesting things that make yeah. Spider-Man human. I think the interesting thing about Superman that can be told and it's not always told in comic books, uh, but if there are comic books that tell the story, please throw them at me because I I want to read more. But and I think this movie hits at home perfectly, is this concept that he, even though he's an alien, is like how a human being should act on Earth. So he is coming here from another planet, but he gets here and he is like morally the perfect human. Like morally, he does only right. You know, truth, justice. Yeah. And what's he say? For truth, justice in, the United, in America or something like that? Yeah. Whatever it is. I can't... Truth, justice, in the American way. I'm butchering it. Somebody is screaming at their their phone right now as I'm saying <laughs> that. But idiot. Whatever it is. Um, and you think about this in this movie, especially in the scenes in Metropolis, and it's very much like a 70s movie aesthetic. You're like, you have, like, even, like, the pimps. In the like, American way. You were right. Truth, justice, the American way. You have, like, the pimp out there with his uh, employees. And they're like, man, sweet outfit, dude. Like, yeah. And when he's, like, flying away. And you have, like... All these people that are like very um, cynical about yeah. the world, but then you have this pure character that's just like this stark. You know, it's very things are very black and white. It's very morally right or wrong, and he's in the center. And you have all these interesting characters around him. Yeah, and I think that's the interesting story to be told. And I think where Superman falters is not in the fact that he's so powerful, but that his rogue ga- rogues gallery sucks. Yeah, like you have Lex Luthor, who's an all time. Yeah, you know, I mean. Right. He's up there. Right. He's definitely... He's good. Like, he's an interesting character. But I almost feel like he'd benefit from having more, like, 
like a Dick Tracy type rogues gallery where yeah. we talk about like they all very have very distinct personalities. They're maybe ugly because that's well, like a reverse of Superman's a very handsome character. And I think to your point, it goes to where yeah, there's I haven't read anything or seen anything with Doomsday or um, Apocalypse or you know what I mean, anything like that. But then you have like Zod, who I think Zod yeah. is uh, is formidable. But you have this alien who it's not really fair to put him up with up against other humans. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you almost have to you have to be someone like Lex Luthor, who is a genius, to, right? The brains you know, to the brawn, exactly. But it's not like with Batman, where I. I don't know, I hesitate to say they're humans. I mean, they are humans, but they are, you know what I mean? His rogues gallery is so widely arranged that it's like, mm-hmm. it's not like with Superman's. You know what There's I mean? so many different or interesting stories to tell with Batman and Spider-Man, who yeah. probably both are the best rogues galleries in comics, because you can do the Batman versus Bane story yep. where someone's challenging him hand-to-hand. Yep. Then you can do the Batman and Riddler story where someone's challenging him mentally. Yeah. And then you can do this, the Joker story where he's challenging him morally. Yeah. So there's all these interesting stories to be told. But with Superman, like, I feel like there's the same amount of stories that can be told. Yeah. But they're not because the, character, the villains aren't that interesting. Yeah. Because the story to be told with Superman isn't, can you have someone defeat him? Which is a story that Doomsday, when he kills him, obviously. Yeah. But how many times can you tell a story without, you know... You, you can only go to that bag right. once. But the story is, can you challenge him morally? Is he as perfect and pure of a Boy Scout that he thinks he is? Does he have the worldview wrong? Should he not think of the best of everybody that he does kind of thing? Um, Would would people, all the cynicism and and people, jaded people around him, create those similar feelings in him where he's jaded and cynical? And I find this movie... It's very subtle how they do that, but I feel like they nail all those aspects that make that interesting because, like, Lois is, like, as cynical as can be. Yes. Like, she, like, the first time she's on the screen, she's... Yeah, she's just, like... And and maybe that's what makes her a good journalist in in this regard because she's always questioning the world and, like... Seems like a typical New Yorker, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. She's just, like, even though they're not New York, but... And isn't that perfect, too, though? Like, let's just call it New York because it's Metropolis, but it's... You know the uh, echo of New York, but he, this this kid that grew up in the Midwest, yep, Kansas, all his life is like, and just think about that. Like, we know those people that grew up in the Midwest of middle of nowhere. Yeah, they get put in the situation. Well, it's there. it's it's weird. I mean, I've gone from the Midwest to bigger places. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like out on the West Coast, and it's really weird because there is some truth to the fact of. Midwestern hospitality and people around mm-hmm. here are nice and yeah. maybe especially people you know the joke you know especially with Indiana Hoosiers yeah. I almost called this Indiana nurse I, I just like <laughs> lost my Hoosier card but you know we're the type of people to say thanks about everything well mm-hmm. thanks thank you know, oh sorry oh, sorry know, yeah like, oh sorry and then you go to a place, you know, I think any big city and you, you just get trampled I mean people don't give a shit about you like yeah. they're, they're just in their mind, in their mode, and that's a quick side anecdotal uh, comment. That's why I've always loved Chicago because Chicago gives you big city feel with Midwestern hospitality. Oh, okay. I've always maintained. That's for both worlds. Yeah, that's why I, I, I've always um, enjoyed Chicago because I still felt like I wasn't like so lost in the big city 
and people are like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. screw you, dude. Like, I have heard foreigners say that too, though. Like, people from other countries, they're like, why do you guys apologize all the time? Like, it's very true. I mean, there's there's a lot of because it is a thing. You would never do that. I mean, I I know this isn't uh, on. What am I trying to say on the, the topic? on the topic? I can't think, uh, but it's it's so true. And I find myself even when I was in Spain, I feel like I'm almost like two different people. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the way you speak in a different language, almost changes the way you are. The, the way the inflection of a language and the way you say things in a language, I'm like, man, am I like kind of like a jerk? Not a jerk in, yeah. in a foreign language. Do but, I come off as a but? Jerk? But it's so much more direct than yeah. how you would say anything in English. You know what I mean? I think English is just so much more of a forgiving pun intended not like in a forgiving because english is not a forgiving language english is a very difficult language Um, but just in the way that we communicate with Mm -hmm. each other it's always like oh and especially from where we are which many foreigners don't understand that kind of you know the idiosyncrasies of you know the groups of the united states you're just like you know what i mean like you especially you grew up in a place like yeah. Where we grow up, and, you, and that's the melting pot of America too. Yeah. It's like all the different regions are like completely different cultures. But to your point, I, there there is a point with this, and, and we're not. Yeah, really, and, is, is that you have Clark Kent who grew up in in Kansas on a farm. I mean, we listen. We grow up. We've lived in <laughs> small town Indi, you know, Indiana for a long time. But it very wasn't suburban like, area. Yeah, it wasn't like you know the Kents who we, we weren't waking up at four o'clock in the morning to feed the pigs. No, but. Uh, yeah, so you just imagine that though, like, and and you, you're you're a culture person. You've lived overseas for a few years. Um, you you probably have, on both sides of the the pond, you probably have either experienced this yourself or have seen people experience this. But imagine the foreigner in a situation trying to adapt to that culture. So the way I see this is like this alien guy, yeah. Superman, is just taking mental notes of how you should act. Based on everything he sees in Kansas, and then he's just going to replicate that to a hundred percent because everything with him is black and white. There's no gray area. Yeah. So when he goes to Metropolis, aka New York, yeah. he's like super Midwesterner, yep. Boy Scout guy. Where it's like, this is how you act. Yep. And he just like everything he says is so morally on point. Like when he, when Lois is like, "Would you like a glass of wine?" A very normal thing. There's, yeah. there's nothing bad or grotesque or like yeah. evil about having a glass of yeah. wine. She's like, we check a glass of wine. That's a very normal thing. And he's yeah. like, I don't drink when I fly, Lois. Yeah. Like, it's just like everything about him is so pure. And that's what it is interesting about him is if you keep that, there's an interesting stories to tell around him if you do it right. Yeah. Otherwise, it can be boring. I, it's a I, fine line. I'm definitely open to getting into, I mean, add it to my laundry list of things that I would be open to getting into. Yeah. Um, I know Small World is... Smallville. Uh, Smallville. Excuse me. Whoops. That was a faux pas. Um <laughs> I think has a, a pretty extensive episode list and goes like ten seasons, yeah. Way into it, I tell myself in my head it'd be fun to get into it and and. That's interesting if you like like the teenage melodrama of things because he never once wears the costume the whole series. Gotcha. But he does. You do see his powers and stuff. Yeah. My, funny thing about that, my sister watched like three seasons of that show. Yeah. Not knowing it was about Superman. Oh. <laughs> and she got so mad and flustered when I, when I was like, "Oh, you watch a Superman show?" She's like, "What are you talking about?" And like, it's called Smallville. Yeah. His name's Clark Kent. Like, how'd you not pick up on this? And she's like, it doesn't, they don't say Superman. And she got like so mad about it. I, I feel like I would be that way. I feel like I was that way with uh, Riverdale. I, I didn't realize that was based oh, really? off, off of Archie. I mean, I haven't watched the TV show or anything like that. But well, my coworker was telling me about, like, oh, yeah, Riverdale. Like, it's this, like, 
really good TV show. It's got like the drama. It's got the yeah. mystery. It's got the this. It's got the that. And I looked it up. I'm like Archie. Like, like it's based off the Archie comics. And yeah. she's like, Yeah, Archie. I'm like Archie. That, that's like, like the endearing thing about that show too. Just it's another off-topic thing. But like, if you have read Archie comics, which I grew up reading those because my sister was really into them, um, and knowing like the cheesiness and like. I mean, that's like Americana right there, Midwestern yeah. Americana type of stuff that were kind of aligned with Superman. And then going to this other show, it's like darker, it's like a murder mystery. Yeah. But there's still like that dry cheesiness to the characters, like in, in the acting and stuff, but it's very much on purpose. Yeah. But if you're not familiar with like the, where it's coming from, I've heard people say like, the acting's terrible in that show, but like it's endearing if you understand where it came yeah. from. So. But no, I mean, I'd like to get into more Superman stuff, but I just feel like still... Uh, after watching this movie, I still feel like I could pick up on some of the stuff, but the movie was way too long. I mean, that's just the, the I'll just come out and say it. I'll just get right into it and say you said that, this. You said this before the before we hit um the red light for yeah. recording. Uh, you said recording? that it could have been yeah <laughs> half an hour shorter. I think you said. Yeah. What would you have cut out though? I I feel like the big part for me was the time at the beginning of the movie in Kansas where I just feel okay. like I understand maybe it's not all I, I definitely think as of course once you get to the climax of the movie in Metropolis and then you know Lex Luthor's plan starts to come to fruition or almost to fruition those are all important parts mm-hmm. of the story I, I understand you have to tell the backstory of of Superman and maybe that's just the way that it comes with it but it just felt like it drug on so long and it felt like there were so many like periods in the movie where it was just like silence and I'm like maybe it was when I watched it maybe I was yeah. I mean it, I watched it one evening and I was you know what I mean like I don't disagree with you and that's why I was shocked that my son he's about to turn six but he watched this when he was like three and was like enthralled the entire time like I really? thought for sure it was like I turned it on almost as a joke so I was like yeah let's watch this movie yeah and I was expecting it to be like either fall asleep or like get bored and start playing toys. He was yeah. sitting on the couch like enthralled the whole time. I was like, my kid also has this weird, it's like his superpowers to be engaged with TV, which yeah. is probably the worst superpower for a kid <laughs> to have. But he's always been that kid. Like even at like, he had a birthday party with Space Jam themed and we watched Space Jam. He was sitting there watching Space Jam the whole time while all of his friends were running around like acting like, <laughs> like yahoos. And he was just like, and that's how he is. He just loves, so I'm not surprised in that regard, but. I don't know. It is. A, it can be slow at parts. I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. And I do think if you were to shave some time off, it would probably be the origin story. Because he has some... I don't think we see him in costume until like an hour into the movie. Yeah, and I just think that... I understand that that part's important. You need to know that he went... You know, he was in Kansas and he spent some time. But I, And I think this is something that I enjoyed much more from Man of Steel. I feel like that part of the origin story... I don't even know that it was shorter, but it felt like it was much more meaningful for what they did in Man of Steel. And we'll get to that when we talk about Man of Steel. I don't want to... And we will. I almost wished, because to pull the curtain back, we always record these in double features. Yeah. Um, I almost wish we watched Man of... We did record a Man of Steel on this one yeah. on the same night, because I have never even seen Man of Steel to this day. Uh, so the first time that you guys hear me talk about it will be the first time I had watched it. And I wish I could compare and contrast those... On this episode, so you have to wait till the Man of Steel episode. Yeah, there you go to hear my compare and contrast. But I have heard that movie was very much darker and. It's almost like the, 
like it leaned more into like the Dark Knight trilogy because it was coming right off the Dark Knight trilogy where it's like these muted colors. This Hans Zimmer does the score even. I just uh, think that Christopher that it, Nolan was the producer. It's so opposite from this movie in terms of, and, and we I said this last time we were together is this movie felt very dialogue heavy, right? I, yeah. At least to me it did. I th- it felt, and, and I think much more so than Man of Steel. Man of Steel felt like the action movie you turn on. It's Superman. You get a little bit of the backstory. It's enough. It's like a TNT movie. You, if it's on TNT, okay. you'd, you'd watch it. You know what I mean? You don't care about the commercials. You, you don't care about it being whatever. Um, whereas this movie, you wouldn't want that movie to be like that. Like you want to sit down and watch it from beginning to end. You don't. It doesn't. You don't want yeah. that breakup. And so I feel like they're opposite in that sense of where. One might actually be a better movie, Superman 1978. I mean, objectively, I'm yeah. saying this. Uh, whereas Man of Steel might be more enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on... The mood you're in. The mood in you, probably. But like, just like what you think about when you think about Superman. And... Yeah, and, and maybe subconsciously, I feel like I'd rather see Superman fly through buildings and destroy a bunch of places and, and fight... I just felt like... I mean, there's been interpretations of that, too. And not even just Superman itself, but, like, um, a number of different stories have done the what if Superman was bad kind of thing. Like, there's Superman the Red Sun, so it's, like, even the character uh, by Mark Miller, where he did what if the Russian... He lived in Russia, and he was part of that, you know, the Cold War. Those things are all interesting to me, but then it goes back to my issues with Superman is that it feels so one-dimensional. Like, I don't look to Superman to be, like intellectual so for lack of a better term like this is kind of like i don't know country bumpkin like oh like i'm kind of naive about things like because i see this world in black and white and i always want to do good and you know all these other things but i'm also like really awesome so i think i probably would rather see superman as a you know kind of the unstoppable force there's plenty of comic books that take that concept like there's a by mark wade irredeemable it's this big long story about like what if Superman was bad? Yeah. It's supposed to be like that, where it's just this destructive like nightmare, and the government's yeah. trying to stop him. And then there's a Supreme Power by J. Michael Straczynski. Um, that I this I read this one as a teen. It's by the Marvel Max series, and like the government has like their handle on him from like birth. Yeah. And then he starts questioning the government, so it's a kind of that interesting thing. Yeah. Uh, I think even the what's that DC uh, video game. The DC Comics video game, uh, Injustice. Injustice, yep. I that. think that concept is like, what if Superman? Was yeah, bad, I think so. Right? I think he, I think he kills a care a hero in that, and then he's also going to be uh, the Suicide Squad game that's coming out uh, in twenty twenty one. Superman's in that. He's the from the trailer. He's the bad guy. Oh, but he's possessed by somebody. Okay. Uh, somebody is the Justice uh, game. Apparently, the comic book line that went along with that is like so really good. The, somehow. Sorry, listeners. I feel like everything that comes up, it keeps like branching Very off high. of this actually, uh, this movie. But uh, on my Facebook, I'll always get like gamer trailers or whatever, mm-hmm. and it'll be like the cutscenes from that that game, and it seems really interesting to me. And those games and like the Mortal Kombat games have always seemed really interesting to me. But I cannot, I have no desire to play those type of games because I think Injustice is the same type of game where it's a is it a fighting game? I believe oh, so. Okay. I'd say like see then I'd be much more interested in the comic books side to side you know what I mean but then there's cutscenes that go into you know what I mean you have to beat said character and so I've never cared for it but then anytime I've watched the like these these cutscenes these you know movies we'll call them 
I'm like, damn, this is really awesome, and it's made me want to get into them. But then, anytime I played like a Mortal Kombat game, I'm like, this is bo- like I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't have any desire to do this. Hmm. Just no. So I think there, so there's been plenty of writers that have taken that that take on him, and I feel like, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's the Man of Steel kind of. Not that he's evil, but it's like that. There's more gray area to this character than the just black and white type thing. Yeah, and I think he's definitely in that movie. He's um, not initially beloved by everybody. It's okay. not like this, like, oh, hey, look, it's a Superman. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, and I, I don't dislike that concept of, of people instantly loving him. I, I don't mind that him being like the symbol of hope and like. That kind of do though. I I feel like the normal reaction. In a real person, if you saw this person that had, and I guess it just depends on how it's portrayed. But if you see this person who's like can fly in the sky, you're kind of like, uh, like is he on our side? Is you know, like, what yeah. the hell did I just see? Not like, oh, yeah, like, it's um, Superman, right? And, and especially in today's world, when there's like, it's very different sides of everything. Whether you know any real world topic yeah. turns political instantly. And there's going to be people that love Superman and hate him. It's just like, if we're thinking about it in real world terms of today. Absolutely. However, the Superman character, historically, like he first debuted in the 30s. He's the first superhero ever. Um, you know, people could argue that point, but he's the first big one at least. Yeah. And, but he came right out of like the Great Depression. Like people were yeah. like, so it was like the symbol of hope. They were looking for. Coming out of the Great yeah. Depression. And then this movie, culturally, was coming out of like. All these decades of shit in America, uh, World know, War One to the Civil Rights Movement, Vietnam, Vietnam, like all these things. So coming in, this movie's coming out of those, and he's like the symbol of hope and, and normalcy. And like, yeah. so I can see why people would gravitate to that. And maybe with our current state of America right now being so thrown into upheaval, maybe we, can we use... need a symbol of hope, yeah, of just pure justice to to believe in and put our faith into, and just. Trust. Maybe. You know? um, but you're probably more right that people would be very cynical and, and, I think and questioning. I'm, maybe and, I'm too cynical. I feel like I've become a cynic. Um, we all have. But it would be interesting. Maybe that's what we need today is a Superman yeah. to bring us all together. But that's what I like about him is that people just yeah. like, it brings people together as, as a symbol of hope that they just put their faith into. Should they? That's another topic. Yeah. Probably not. Because he's this. Fair enough. Character that have, we talked about this with uh, Batman Begins. Like, why do people all of a sudden trust this guy? Yeah. Like at any moment he could shoot someone in the head. Yeah. And you want to know because you don't know anything about this guy. Yeah. But you're just instantly trusting in him. Yeah. I know that I said earlier that I I felt like Christopher Reeve, excuse me, p- portrayed the character of Clark Kent, uh, Superman, really well. Christopher Reeve, I, I think he just had that uncanny ability to to look and you know what I mean kind of have that dopey naive midwesterner like here I am like in metropolis type mm-hmm. of thing but then it almost did to kind of turn on the switch where there is some you do have to have some charisma to be superman you got to have a little bit more you know and that's I think part of superman clark kent is like how could any how could clark kent be we talked about this on the dark knight mm-hmm. uh, you know when he runs the light to protect that person he's like oh like huh like you know what I mean like like oh that was him like I was just trying to beat the light even though he you know what I mean it's like and well, nobody like, could, like it can't could be Bruce Wayne Bruce Wayne it's not gonna be Batman like look at this dumb yeah because Gordon's know? like you don't watch the news do you it's like no I 
Yeah, what, what, what are you talking about? And so you get a little bit of this with that. It's not outright said, but I, I've always felt like with Superman, Clark Kent has to be kind of dopey in a sense. Like, and naive. He's like, yeah, he's and like, like, oh, uh, you know what I mean? Well, that's the thing, too. It's like, so the, one of the big conceits of uh, criticism for Superman has always been, how can people not know he's Clark Kent? Yeah. Like, he just takes his glasses off and twirls his hair, and people are, like, yeah. all of a sudden dumb, and they don't realize it. I get that. And I, I've criticized the Batman movies from the 90s where I'm like, he's sitting on the building talking to him in his normal voice. How do they not yeah. know? They're idiots. So I get that. So that's a challenge to work with. And I think Christopher Reeve nails it because when he's Clark Kent, he's like hunched over and he's like, you know, like nervous and anxious and he's just like dopey, like you said, yeah. and naive. But then when he's like Superman, he's like chef, chest puffed and confident. And you see yeah. it in the scene when he's in uh, Lois's apartment and she goes to the bathroom or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he like, takes his glasses off, and he's like, and he all of a sudden puffs his chest out, and he's like, Lois, uh, there's something I need to tell you. And then she comes in, and she's like, he's like, oh, um, well, I don't know. Um, uh, would you like to go on a date with me? Or like, yeah. whatever. So, yeah. And you see like the acting. Like you said, charisma. It's very charismatic yeah. how he will tra- change from both um, roles, really. But, yeah. So I thought he was awesome. I know we've talked about him. Um, we can come back to him if you want. Uh, but Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor, I think, was uh, probably from an acting standpoint from a character standpoint probably made the movie at least for me um i, I had my criticisms with maybe pacing you'll call it that sort of thing especially at the beginning but jane hackman was like the now it's kind of like in my brain like you think of lex luthor it's gene hackman you yeah. know what i mean like, like this is the this is who i want to see because he's is that of talk course. about charisma yeah and and of course i'm not gonna i don't need to list all the things that gene or that excuse me that lex luthor is you know businessman the the genius genius uh, all these other things but in this movie he's just he's almost kind of funny you know what i mean like he has like a a dark sense of humor about mm-hmm. him especially certainly when, with I mean, all, all those things and, and he has um mrs uh or miss a test test mocker i think is his test mocker yeah and then um there's definitely dark humor to him because there's a line when superman's like do you take pleasure out of threatening thousands of people's lives and he's like no, but I do when I kill thousands of people or whatever yeah. he says. And it's, it's almost like you have to – you almost have to laugh, right? Yeah. And then Otis, yeah. You know what I mean? So he has, is... he has these people surrounded surrounding him where it's almost like a complex. Like nobody in the world could be smarter than Lex Luthor, but he needs to be surrounded by Miss Tessmacher who What's... almost seems very like uh, – she's affluent and very, you know – Here's the wall. Here's the materialistic is what I'm trying to say. Okay. And then Otis, who's like, of course, just the a bumbling, bumbling like yeah. henchman. The quintessential. He's like bumbling. the. Who's that character for Smee for Hook, Captain Hook? Yeah. He was a Smee with him. Yeah. But also, it's the yin and yang to what they did with the Clark Kent character. Because you think about like Superman has Jimmy Olsen, which is like yeah. his bumbling sidekick, and Lois Lane. Yep. We have uh, Lex Luthor with Tessmacher and Otis. But then also, I think an interesting thing is, um, and I, I read this, I, f- I forget the website where I read this on, but someone was like breaking down the character of Gene Hackman and the fact that he was wearing all these wigs all the time, right? Yeah. He's actually bald. So he's trying to hide the fact that he has something that society would tell you was like a flaw. Yeah. Being bald. So he dresses it up and hides it. 
Superman is a very handsome looking guy yeah. on the surface, but he's trying to dumb down his looks and look worse than what yeah. society would tell you would look handsome. Yeah. So it's like that yin and yang kind of thing. And also you have like Lex Luthor is very eccentric in his outfits. He's very flashy. Yeah. Um, and then you have Clark Kent who's always wearing like grays and like trying to like hide and like yeah. He just wants to blend out. in. Yeah, blend because in. Because he Perfect. feels like this person who is even though nobody knows it, he he's an alien. You know what I mean? Right. Like he, he feels like a legitimate. He doesn't want to stand out because he's like, I, I am an alien. I already feel like I'm standing yeah. out, but I don't want anybody to notice me kind of thing. I mean, we've all felt that before too. We've all been in situations where we yep. just want to blend in and nobody notice us. Notice yep. that we're different. Um, but I love this. So it's not just the brain and brawn thing. It's uh, yin and yang. It's, it goes down deeper than that. And that's another thing I love about this movie. One thing that... And I, you know, I compare it to Man of Steel or whatever, is that, do, do we see more of Zod after, I know that they um, obviously get sent to, what is it, the Phantom, Phantom Zone? Yeah. Yeah. Phantom Zone. Um, they are the villains for the sixth sequel. Okay. So uh, in the sequel, they're prominent, which, I mean, if you wanted to make an argument for other time you could shave out of this movie... If you're watching this as, as an isolated movie, I don't think any of that stuff's necessary. Yeah, because it, it's interesting that they have that at the beginning, and and I, I think that that part's interesting. You know, you have Jor El who is, you know, they're arguing about the, you know what I mean? How the stories are obviously vary. You know what I mean? Um, right. You know, he's trying to say, "Hey, this our world is ending," type of thing. And, and then we just get so. this like snippet of of Zod and uh, Ursa. Uh, you know getting sent to the phantom zone and it's like okay well then what but like you said if if you're watching it as a you know a sequel type of thing then it's going to make more sense of course yeah so i mean and i don't know if i've watched the sequel i definitely haven't watched three and four uh, which those are supposed to be like completely abysmal richard Pryor's in uh the, <laughs> the third, third or fourth, one, yeah. fourth or one yeah because he's on the the cover, like he's like, yeah. Wait, I could see his image in my yep. head on the poster. Um, I do want to watch this. I don't. I don't know if we we'll watch it on the podcast. I don't think I want to put you through the. Maybe this second one, but not third or fourth. I might watch this on my own. It's but. interesting that they got they had a lot of the. Uh, that Gene Hackman stayed all the way through as Lex Luthor. Yeah, and then uh, Kevin Spacey played him in Superman Returns, and then Jesse Eisenberg. Which I still believe should have been Brian Cranston, but I it's interesting because Kevin Spacey seems like very Gene Hackman esque. It was very. Have you not seen Superman Returns? I did a long time ago. I, I would be interested to go back and, and watch that it. one. Maybe we can revisit because that one it was very much. I think they even said that movie takes place after the second Superman movie. Yeah, it, it's very much in the same universe. Yeah, they use the John Williams score. Yeah. Brain serves as an homage sequel to Superman and Superman 2. Yeah, because... Ignoring the events of 3, Supergirl, and 4. Yeah, because uh, Brandon Ruth, they made him look up very much like Christopher Reeve. And yeah, Kevin Spacey, I mean... And he does it well, but he plays yeah. a very much a Gene Hackman-esque Lex Luthor. Um, I do wonder if they asked Gene Hackman to play that role. Yeah. Because he was, a, he was obviously around. He's still alive, but... Yeah, because I remember Superman Returns being generally liked i think yeah it was in terms uh, of critics but right box office it was a it, it, was, it was kind of like 
people I don't think people liked the idea that it was a, a sequel. I think people wanted something different. I think that movie, maybe in hindsight, would be more highly revered if it came out today, maybe. I yeah. don't know. It's it's interesting though because like Man of Steel wasn't really well received either. Yeah. Coming off of Dark Knight. So it's like what do people want in a Superman movie? So still to this day, yeah. I mean critically and uh, uh critically i guess the only one that's been highly highly reviewed is this one yeah this movie so it's interesting i mean they got it right in 78 and have struggled since and i think that probably serves as why well there's something interesting about that too with that so many years later they did a sequel and it's kind of i, I don't know yeah. I, I would like to uh down the line if we did like a of course, we've already we're already doing this one and Superman two, and then Superman Returns. Just a I don't know, a little mini super trilogy. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what I was gonna say. I forget now. I took you off track. I know you took me off track. Oh no! So you like this is supposed to Superman is supposed to be the flagship character of DC Comics, right? Yeah. But it's very much transferred into being Batman, and Batman like comic book sales wise, movie sales wise merchandise wise for the last yeah. I mean since the 90s with the 89 Batman movie and then the 90s Batman show and then the Dark Knight trilogy the 90s Batman movies were well received like all of those things mixed in yeah Batman's become the flagship character now he is the paradigm that uh, DC Comics you know uh, configure all their sales off of like well Batman's a top selling title comic book wise what are other comic books doing compared to that kind of thing? Yeah. Superman has struggled, and it's just like, I don't know. It's interesting to me, like, that nobody can get that right. And I think it's because it is a fine line. Like, it can yeah. be a very boring character if you don't nail those things right. Yeah, and, and I think there's a lot, too, that I think the Dark Knight trilogy was great for a lot of things, but I think it ruined a lot of things mm-hmm. in the sense of, like, you got to bring your A game if you want to be. If well, you want, if you want to show up at the table, you know what I mean. It ruined it in the sense that the same thing as how I feel about Watchmen and Dark Knight uh, Returns, which was they both came out in nineteen eighty six, and they're both like these huge paradigm shifts in comic books. Like it, like comic books when you think about like the Golden Age, Silver Age, yeah. Bronze Age. Um, that's when the Bronze Age ends because like each age ends with some sort of paradigm shift in like storytelling and in 86 Watchmen and Dark Knight comes out and more so I want to talk about Watchmen because I've followed Alan Moore's thoughts on this whole thing um, but Watchmen is very much a dissection and a deconstruction of the super superhero genre yeah so Alan Moore took all this history all this uh, at that point 50 year history of superheroes yep. and superhero comic books and deconstructed them into this great tale, 12 issues of Watchmen. And he's come out and said this number of times that he felt like that almost ruined, at least it hurt the comic book genre because he said that he wanted to deconstruct the superhero genre and then from then on build it back up yep. into reconstructing it, if you yeah. will. Instead, there was writers like a Mark Miller and a Grant Morrison and people that grew up on Watchmen, like that was like a, a huge comic book that came out when they were in their youth. Yeah. And then they went on to be comic book writers and they wrote everything through that lens of Watchmen instead of 
the lens that Alan Moore is writing through the 50 years of comic book history before that with the flashy, yeah. you know, red, white, and blue, truth, justice, and the American way kind of thing. They were writing it from the point of view, like, no, Watchmen's where we start. That's the yeah. foundation. And we write things through that lens of, like, these gritty, um, flawed characters that aren't good people kind of thing. And I think that largely kind of hurt comic book medium in yeah. a way because that wasn't the idea that Alan Moore was going from. And Alan Moore, since after that, had wrote, had written some superhero comic books trying to reconstruct it. They just didn't last as long yeah. or weren't as pivotal as Watchmen, so it never got off yeah. on that footing. So now we transition this into our movies. So the Dark Knight trilogy is this huge thing. Yeah. It first it gets its you know, the first Academy Award winning superhero movie, the first billion dollar superhero movie. It's getting attention in the mainstream media. So all these studios then are like, that's how you make a superhero movie. Yeah. You make it dark and gritty and like real realistic. So then they make Man of Steel and they're like, we want to make it like that. Like, yeah. like dark. It doesn't night. exactly it doesn't translate because it's not Superman. What they missed though was that the Dark Knight trilogy was deconstructing Batman in a way of saying like this is we're gonna shed all these other things about Batman. Yep. This is who Batman is in the real world. This is what he would really look like. They should have then taken Superman and said, "This is what Superman would look like if he was real." Yeah, and been true to the character yep. of Superman rather than try to make him a Batman character. Yeah, so make him you know the red and yellow Boy Scout, like we've talked about in this podcast. Like yeah. he is the one pure, morally pure character, and everything around him it could be dark and gritty. Yeah, and I think it makes it easier when, especially when we get into Batman v Superman, which. It's my understanding it's not so much Batman v Superman, but, you know, whatever. Um, at least part of it is, not the whole thing. Uh, but I think it, it, you have that juxtaposition of, you know, here you have this dark, gritty... Now, in a perfect world, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know, but in a perfect world, it's it's Nolan's Batman and, and yeah. you know, Man of Steel, Superman meets, and that sort of thing. Uh, but that's not the case, and, you know, we'll obviously talk about that on their next episode when we talk about well, the earliest uh, rumblings of that because there was rumors of a Batman Superman movie from ever like you think yeah. even in the 90s they were trying to do something yeah. but I do remember there being rumors and I don't know how official it ever became of having a Brandon Ruth Superman in a, in a Christian Bale Batman Batman vs. V Superman movie and that would be very much the dark and light of the characters because yeah. Brandon Ruth was a, like this movie yeah like he was like very bright colors in the sun and it was yeah. like you know, the red, yellow, blue costume and, yeah. and everything's bright. And you have like this dark, gritty Batman character. That's interesting to me. Yeah. Because that, again, the yin and yang thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. But instead, and again, I haven't also haven't watched Batman v Superman yet. Maybe we should have watched that already. Uh, but to yeah. my understanding with the trailers and things, it looks like they're both dark and gritty. Yes. Like, it's all very muted so. colors and stuff. So it's like, that's not interesting to me. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I, I don't think we should watch that right because you have to watch Man of Steel to understand No, I'm not saying on the podcast. I'm just saying, like... In general. Having this oh. opinion and viewpoint yeah. speaking on it. Maybe that's we should true. Have heard that's it. true. There's probably people... One of the nine listeners screaming, like... You idiot. They're probably going to a one-star on iTunes. Like, these guys haven't even watched... Batman yeah, yeah hey, can, come out of the woodwork if you're the person that gave us this? a one star on iTunes. We, well, let us know. What's one star about us? Better yet, 
if you're listening to this and you haven't rated us on iTunes, subscribe and rate us five stars. I agree. If, um, you, if you like the podcast. If you don't, then uh, don't rate us at all. Yeah, just ignore it and keep listening and maybe you'll find something you like. <laughs> um, okay, uh, now that we're at an hour into this. Um, I don't know that I have much else to say. I mean, I, I do want to continue to praise uh, who played Lois. What was her name? Jackie, no, whoops, my bad. Uh, Margot Kidder. Margot Kidder, I think she did a tremendous job as Lois. I think she played the the audience character. There's always like an audience viewpoint yeah. character. And she played the one that was like very cynical and questioning. And like the scene with, um, I think the best scene in the whole movie, in my opinion, is when Superman's on her rooftop. Uh-huh. And she's like, he's like talking to her and she's like, like, so why are you here? And that kind of thing. And he just... That's when she realizes that he's not all show. That yeah. he, that he really is as morally pure as she. Yeah. As he comes off, because even she even has a cynicism with uh, Clark Kent. Because when Clark walks into the yeah, the billing office or whatever the payroll, and he's like, uh, "Sir, can I get like half my paycheck sent to this address?" Yeah. And she's like, "Oh, it's his bookie. Like he's yeah. another degenerate gambler in yeah. the in the office now." And then she's like, "Let me guess. It's for his uh, dear old mother." Yeah. Her dear old gray-haired mother. And he's like, yeah. actually, she has silver hair. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like she's constantly cynical and questioning him. But every time it, she, he turns the corner, he proves that he's uh, as pure as he comes off. Well, and like you said, it's the yin to the yang of the, you know, you have Lois Lane who is very cynical in this show, in this movie, and questions everything, being the great reporter that she is. Yeah. Um, and... Then you have him who, you know what I mean? He is, he's good. And if we're talking about the, the emoting, because we talked about how, like, on the surface, you can you can look at this role and be like, this wasn't that hard to act or whatever. Yeah. But at the end, when Lois is dead and he's, like, screaming, like, yeah, it's almost, like, terrifying that this, this god, like, human or alien is, like, yeah. what's he going to, he's going to destroy the world kind yep. of thing. But he just spins around and, and reverses the time. Yeah. How'd you like that when he just... It was uh, it was definitely hokey, but yeah. it's a superhero movie. I'm not going to like... Of course. Talk about the physics of what would actually happen no. if you spun around and made the... I don't even know if that's even possible. But... I don't think it is. I mean, not physically it's not possible, but I don't know what would happen if it were. If so, hey, listen, if, if the, the Earth's uh, rotation was reversed, I think... Oh, man. Let's get somebody know. on here that can can speak some truth to that. I mean, if something else was going to happen in 2020, that it would be that. What movie. would happen? I'm going to Google it for all of you. What are, have they done like a, myth, a Mythbusters on it? Rotation. Those are the Mythbusters episodes I always enjoy, the ones where they take movie stuff and they're like, this could have happened. What would happen if Earth's rotation reverse? Oh. Short answer. The reverse spin would make the Earth much greener. Long answer. This new rotation would change winds and ocean currents and that would shift the planet's climate entirely. Oceans work as global climate control, maybe, distribu- distributing the sun's heat all over Earth. Maybe that's what we can uh, do to, to solve the climate issues in the, in the world. Maybe we need Superman to go up there and reverse things. We see start going backwards, man. Would, would our toilets uh, flush in reverse if we did that? Uh, it says right here. One thing you could expect to happen is your toilet would flush in reverse, just like it does in Australia. Uh, all right. So, I mean, I what other, were there any other pivotal or, or things that stood out to you? Good things you want to highlight from the movie? No, I don't. I 
don't know that there's anything specific from you know what I mean. I, I think it's interesting uh, that Miss Tess Mocker has got the hots for Superman and you know plans. She's a, the one that saves him. Yeah, heck yeah. She yeah. she plans a big one on him too because he saves her her uh, mama. Do you think Lois ever found out? I don't know. That's I do like uh, or did like uh, Lex Luthor's underground lair. That's yeah, pretty, that's really awesome. Underneath the uh, was it the train station, the bank? It was a train station. Was train it? station, yeah. And he's like. Any woman would ha- want to have uh, <laughs> real estate on 20th Avenue or whatever yeah. it says. And she's like, yeah, 200 feet underground. <laughs> they felt very much like an old married couple. It was great. <laughs> I like this movie, though. I liked it a lot. I'll definitely watch it again. And I am curious to watch uh, 2, 3, and 4 just to uh, add, a, add a curiosity. And I haven't yeah. seen Superman Return since right around the time it came out. I know I watched it a couple times. but Yeah. Uh, do you want to get into what was going on in the world? Sure. Back then? So every episode, we always talk about what was happening in music, TV, movies, uh, right around the time that the movie we're talking about came out, just to uh, put a timestamp on it, you know? Yeah. Talk about when it, what was going on. Uh, so the box office for December, this was the... Highest grossing movie globally, but domestically, every which way but loose beat it out. Oh. And Invasion of the Body Snatchers was third. That's a movie I want to watch. People always talk about how that's like a really good, well put together movie. Yeah. The music, do you want to guess? You always like to guess. 1978. 70. Um. That was a little Hamilton for all you there. Give me one hint. I have no idea. Um, sorry, I'm. This was. I was on the wrong website. All right, here we go. December, the number one song. Is there any chance that I would get it? Man, I am sorry. I am. Not finding the right website here. Taylor, I know I had it right. I, before we went on the on the air here, I said, "Oh, I know this one." All right, here we go. Uh, no. Give me one hint about this thing. It's a duet. A duet. Oh. Uh, with a man and woman. <laughs> okay. The woman notoriously has a large nose. I have no idea. Barbara Streisand. Oh. And Neil Diamond. Oh, wow. You Don't Bring Me Flowers. Yeah. And it's there's classic. also by Chic, Le Freak. Le Freak. That's like a... Oh, yeah. Le Freak. On the Dark Knight. Oh, oh no. no. It, when he says... When uh, the guy with the dogs, he says, and like, Joker's burning all the money and says, yeah. you're a freak. <laughs> and then Joker like mocks him. Uh, comic books back then. Yeah, that's that song. Oh, freak out. Oh, okay. Well, that's a that's an important. I'm pretty sure that's the song. Important song. Um, in comic books, Action Comics, which is the one that stars Superman. Ah, uh, freak out. Was man, hold on. Freak says she. Okay, here we go. Was being drawn by. Ross Andrew and Dick Giordano. 
script was by Carrie Bates. So this is not a good time for Superman comics. Is my point there. Spider-Man is being written by Marv Wolfman. This is a weird time in comics. Late 70s was weird. Uh, 80s, I think, is the best decade for comics. So we're almost getting yeah. there. And Chris, Chris Claremont's writing X-Men. That's like the big... That's the best-selling yeah. title for Marvel around this time was X-Men. Video games. You don't know what's going on in video games in 78? Wow. Uh, Atari. In June of that year, Space Invaders was released in Japan. Wow, Space Invaders. And Nintendo releases their first arcade game, Computer Othello. Huh. So video games were very much a... uh, Not a thing. Yeah. (laughs) Not a thing. Arcades were about to become a thing. They were. So that's Superman, the movie. Uh, Again, follow us on Twitter. At Podcast Prevails, and tell us what you think about this movie, and follow along as I continue to go through the action movies. It's something I want to do. I like watching these movies and these interesting things. Like what next? My next project, and this is going to be forever from now because it's going to take me a while to get through these movies. My next project is going to go through all of the Steven Spielberg directed movies. Oh, nice! Because he's directed so many different types of movies. Like in one one year, it was Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. He talked about. Yeah. So there's like all these different types of things, and I want to go through all this. His catalog, I think it'd be fun. So those are the kind of thing I'm doing on Twitter. Feel free to join in if you want to. Yeah, I need to. Um, well. But and then we're also on Facebook at Podcast Prevails. Subscribe to us on iTunes, on rate SoundCloud. Us. Rate us five stars if you wish. <laughs> uh, I don't know what else you have to say. Ne- next week, tell. Why don't you send us home with uh, what we're talking about? We're next finishing week. up the uh, Nolan trilogy, Dark Knight Rises. And excited to talk about this movie because it's it had been some time since I had seen the uh, the Dark Knight Rises, and I think watching the Dark Knight and this movie, really all three movies, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, and the Dark Knight Rises, really within the past month and a half, so, so you know, so closely together, uh, it's given me a new appreciation for it. It's not a uh, perfect movie by any means, um, but I think it is much better than what people thought it was. Maybe myself included. I agree with that last sentiment. I think there's one major flaw in the movie. You have to wait till the episode for me to point it out to you. One major flaw, and I think it's the one major flaw of the whole trilogy. If we fix that flaw, it would be perfect. Um, but then after that, we're going to be reviewing Man of Steel. Yep. And continuing in through the Batman movies as we continue on through 2020. All right, well, we'll see you guys next week.